Morning, everybody. Good to see all of you here today. Good to be gathered together on the Lord's Day. It's been a beautiful week this week. We've had some beautiful weather and a beautiful day today. Really good to be together and worship the Lord. Uh, Nothing better we could be doing to start off our week than spend time together with God's people, remembering the great things he's done for him and giving him the glory that he deserves. I want to give a couple of announcements um, before we uh, get into the message um, more directly for the group here. Uh, We have already announced this, I think, but I want to, part of this we've announced, we're going to be transitioning from streaming and from our virtual options for Sunday and also on Thursday, our congregational activities beginning in October. Um, and per the feedback we received from the members who responded to the survey we sent out, um, we're going to be moving our start time on Sunday mornings uh, beginning in October to uh, 10 a.m. Our worship time will start at, at 10 a.m. Uh, on Sunday, uh, October 3rd. Uh, our worship assembly will go from 10 to 11:30, and then we're going to have our group Bible study. Uh, will no longer be in the evening on Zoom at five. It'll be here in our um, it, after worship concludes. We'll have a group Bible study from 11:45 until 12:30. Um, so I wanted to make that clear, and, and and I want to just give a quick word about why we're doing that. For those of you maybe uh, that that news is new to. Um, God's plan has always been that uh, his people would gather together with saints um, and uh, and no live stream or no uh, no Internet virtual church can ever substitute for that. Um, we recognize that over the past year, there have been some great challenges that we've had to navigate in the ways we we saw best. We've had to make hard decisions about how to do that. Um, but it's never been our desire for us to stay disconnected. That's not God's desire. and That's not our desire. Uh, and so we really want to, as best we can, help our brothers and sisters to uh, gather together. So if you've been joining us uh, online and uh, and you're disconnected from brethren and you'd like help uh, getting back connected um, to brethren, definitely let us know. And we'll try to we'll try to do the best we can to help you with that. I also say if uh, if if you uh, know of people who have been joining us online online because of health concerns or health reasons, they're just unable to get together to be with uh, with uh, saints. Please let us know about that because we want to help those people. We're not trying to leave people behind um, or or uh, do things that would be harmful in any way to any brother or sister um, or somebody who's seeking the Lord. We want to be as helpful as we can. So with that, I realize I've caused some chaos and confusion the past week over Bible studies. So let me just make this clear before I get uh, get in more trouble. Tonight, we will be having our group Bible study at 5 p.m. We're going to be starting the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, that study is open to all who would like to be a part of it, um, at least for this month until the end of September. That study is going to be at 5 p.m. And it'll be also it'll be primarily on Zoom. Um, but that'll change in October. We'll give you more details on that. Uh, all right. I think that's enough for announcements now. Um, and hopefully you guys can uh, you'll see that also in the worship guide. If you have any questions about any of that, please do come and talk to us and we'll discuss that in more detail. All right, more to our topic today. Uh, the text that was just read is the end of the letter, um, or at least a portion of the ending of the letter that we've been reading together this month from the book of Hebrews. Uh, last week, our brother Ben 
uh, gave us a powerful exhortation to uh, consider Jesus, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Uh, today, what I'd like to do is key in on one idea that, uh, that the Hebrew writer stresses as part of our response to God, part of our, you might say, our sacrifice to God in return. Look at verse um, 28 of chapter 12 again, and read with me, if you would, again, these verses that our brother Mike just read, starting in verse 28. I want to read down through verse 3 of, uh, of, of chapter 13. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let love of the brethren continue and do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves are also in the body. The topic I want us to, to consider for a few moments today is uh, the topic of hospitality. Uh, and I think this is important to consider, especially at this moment in our church family's uh, history. Uh, as those of you who've been here from the beginning know, one of the critical foundational components that has helped this church to become a close, intimate family is the discipline or the practice of hospitality. Um, hospitality is part of God's uh, recipe or God's prescription for, how, a ch for how, a, how you create a healthy family and also how you maintain a healthy family. And that's why over and over and over and over again throughout the letters, there's this exhortation to practice hospitality. Uh, five times that exhortation is given uh, throughout Paul's letters and, uh, and Peter's letters as well. Um, and it's also mentioned as a prerequisite for those who would serve as elders, that they pastors must be hospitable, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and also a prerequisite for widows who are going to be supported to do ministry for the church. They must be hospitable. Why is there so much of an emphasis on hospitality? In the scripture, we want to talk about that a little bit. But first, before we talk about um, some of the uh, the the applications of hospitality and what it means for us and how to how to live it out, first we need to define it. Um, I think there is a good bit of confusion in the world today over what hospitality is. Uh, we live in a in a world now where hospitality is an industry that some of you work in. You know, you you, you it, it, it's we've kind of outsourced. The responsibility, you know, there's a, there's there's hospitals and there's hotels and there's hostels. And what are all their jobs? Their jobs are to do the hospitality stuff that we'd rather not do. In fact, New York, we make a living off of that right here in New York City. Uh, it runs off of the hotel industry. We'd rather not put up put up all these tourists in our homes. So we'll just have hotels here and we'll make money off of them when they come. Uh, in a world where hospitality is an industry, it's important for us to go back and look at the foundation of what is biblical hospitality? What does the word even mean when we talk about hospitality? I think we need to start there. So uh, this word, and if you, I think we've talked about this, or I may have mentioned this before. Uh, the word hospitality comes from two words in Greek, both of which you know, I think. Most of you know these words already. The first word is phila, uh, where we get Philadelphia from. Um, and uh, that's a word for love, uh, a, one of the Greek words for love. Um, the second word is xenia, um, 
which you may be more familiar with that word in another word that we use sometimes, xenophobia. What is xenophobia? Xenophobia is the fear of strangers. What is philoxenia? Philoxenia is not the fear of strangers, but the love of strangers. All right, so that's what we're talking about today when we discuss hospitality. Hospitality is the love of strangers. And this is something that is in the Bible. From the beginning to the end, you see demonstrations of hospitality. You see the importance given to hospitality. And you see the impact of hospitality. Uh, for example, here in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, he says, Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels. And I like the way you said that. Entertained angels unaware or entertained angels without knowing it. Do you know what that's a reference to? The Hebrew writer there is re referencing something in the Old Testament. Do you know what he's talking about there? Genesis chapter 18, where Abraham is outside his tent in the middle of the day, and all of a sudden three men show up, and those three guys show up, and Abraham welcomes them in. I mean, goes and roasts like a lamb, or I can't remember if it was a lamb or a goat or cow, something, cooks this big dinner for them and feeds them. Uh, and little did he know that actually the people he was feeding were angels that came from the Lord. He was actually entertaining angels, taking care of strangers. And, and actually throughout the Bible, we will see that those who are willing to engage in the hard work of hospitality receive unexpected blessings. For, 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 for Abraham, uh, it was a blessing of a son that he was not expecting. His wife was uh, so uh, unprepared for that that she kind of scoffed at it when the angel told him, like, hey, you're, by the time I come back next year, you're going to have a son. And she said, well, am I going to have pleasure in my old age? This can't be true. Uh, but God provides unexpected blessings to those who are willing to obey his command to practice hospitality. So with that in mind, I want us to think about uh, four things here today. We're going to stick with the P's today. I give, I'm going to give you four P's that hopefully you can remember. It will help you kind of piece together the message today. The first is I want to talk about the propeller or the propellant. What is it that pushes us to be hospitable in the Bible? Then I'm going to talk about, it from, the, from Hebrews chapter uh, 13 here, I want to look at some prerequisites for hospitality, some things that must be true about my heart and my attitude if I'm going to have a hospitable spirit. And then I want to talk a little bit about the practice of hospitality. How do we actually practice this, especially in a land of small apartments um, and in a, in a tight city like New York? How do we actually practice hospitality? Lastly, we'll talk about the purpose of it. All right, so those four Ps, propeller or the propellant, uh, and then we're going to talk about the prerequisites, the practice, and the purpose of hospitality. Let's start with the propellant. Um, the reason God calls us to be hospitable is because we are recipients of divine hospitality. Do you understand what I mean by that? The reason God calls us to be hospitable is that we are recipients of divine hospitality. Listen to what God told his people coming out of slavery in Egypt. Listen to this from Leviticus chapter 19. I want to read from Leviticus chapter 19, one of those books we don't turn to very often. Uh, but Leviticus chapter 19, I'm going to read beginning in, if I can find it, um, verse 33 and 34. Leviticus 19, verse 33. Listen to what God says. When a stranger resides with you in the land, in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you. 
and you shall love him as yourself. Why? For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Why does God call his people to be hospitable to strangers? Why does he call them to welcome them just like a native, treat them the same as they would treat one of their own countrymen? Well, the reason is because you were once strangers in a land and I brought you out. Listen to this uh, a couple books later in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 10. I want to start reading in verse 17. Listen again to what the Lord says here. For the Lord your God, verse 17, is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great and the mighty and the awesome God, who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. He is your praise, he is your God, who has done these great and awesome things for you which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons at all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. Do you see what God is saying there to his people? Look at what the Lord has done for you. Look around. You, you went down to Egypt with 70 and you came back with thousands. Look at how the Lord has practiced this divine hospitality to you. Look at how gracious he's been to you. Look at how you went through. Moses talks about in Deuteronomy. Look at how you went through the wilderness and your, your sandals never wore out. All those years you were walking there. You always had food. You always had water. God always provided for you. We are recipients, recipients of divine hospitality. Therefore, we are called to be hospitable. Of course, that's even more true for us as the people of God. And we can see that in even more powerful ways. The extent to which God went to rescue us out of slavery and to show that divine hospitality to us. We have resources the Israelites never had because they didn't know what it was going to cost God to, to rescue them out of slavery. Oh, they knew about God's strong, outstretched arm and how powerful he was, how he could destroy Pharaoh and all of his army and throw them into the sea, as they sang. But they did not know that there was an even deeper slavery that they were, that they were caught in. There was an even deeper slavery that God had to come down and enter into in order to rescue them. And that was slavery to sin. And we have resources they didn't have because they didn't know the story of Jesus. They didn't know that he would give up his home in heaven, that he would come down and be born in outside of a barn, that he would grow up and live a life as, a, as an adult homeless, walking around on this earth, living and serving the people of God, and suffering outside the gate so that while he endured the cross, he might open up a door for us to enter into the house of God. We are recipients of divine hospitality. The question I want you to think about, though, is how, how, how much is that in your mind as you live on a day-to-day -day basis? How much do you think about all the ways that God is showing love toward you, that God is practicing, practicing hospitality toward you on a day-by-day -day basis? Do you think about all the provisions that he's given you, the food, the clothing, the shelter? And do you see that as a demonstration of God's hospitality towards his people. If we don't appreciate the divine hospitality, we're going to have a really hard time being hospitable, especially 
being hospitable, as Peter commands us, without complaint. You know, some of us are good at hospitality, but we love to complain about it too, right? You know, oh, look at what I did for this person. And they don't even appreciate it. Look at how that person treated me. I did all this for them. And look at what they did in return. I wonder what God feels like when he hears us doing those things. I wonder how often the Lord is up in heaven wondering, and I did this for them, and I did that, and I did that, and I did that. And look at how he treats me in return. Look at how that sister continues. Look at how my daughter continues to treat me as a response. Man, be hospitable without complaint. That's a whole nother level. The only thing that is going to propel me to have a heart of hospitality, and I'm not talking about just in certain moments or in certain days or in certain hours or in certain weeks, whenever I feel good. I'm talking about a consistent determination, a consistent faithful spirit of hospitality. The only thing that's going to drive me to that is the propeller of Jesus Christ and the divine hospitality we have received through him. So it all begins there. And if we forget that, we're going to struggle with this. Hospitality is about taking what God has done for us and then sharing it with others. All right, let's talk about some prerequisites then. All right, so look at chapter, again, go back to with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Um, and I want us to look at a few things that the, that the author stresses here that I think directly relate to, uh, to um, and our, our important prerequisites for us if we're going to have a hospitable heart. Because think about this, there's there's the, there's the heart part or the attitude part of hospitality, and there's the action part. You can do actions that are hospitable, but if you don't have a heart that is hospitable, it doesn't do any good, at least not for you. Um, also, you can have a heart that's hospitable, but then actually not practice hospitality, um, and that too doesn't do good for anybody else. So we need the heart, and we also need the, the, the action. So there are some prerequisites to preparing a heart that is hospitable. And, I, and you see some of them starting in chapter 13 and verse 1. Let love of the brethren continue. And I want to just say this. While the, while the precise definition of hospitality is loving strangers, in the Bible, it is not just strangers who we are called to love. In fact, in Peter, when Peter wrote about that in his letter, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 9, he says, show hospitality to one another. That is, he's not just saying, go show it to other people who are outside the body of Christ. You learn to show it to one another, those of you who are with. And I think that's helpful because for some of us, and this is not for all of us, but for some of us, some of us are better at loving new people than we are at the old people in our lives. I don't mean that in terms of age. I'm talking about the people we've known for longer. Some of us are really good when, if, when somebody comes in for the first time, man, we're there, we're welcoming, we're so excited to meet new people. Like, it's exciting. But then when we get to know them a little while, mm, and we start to learn some stuff, that's when it gets hard. Oh, I don't want to spend time with that brother anymore. I don't want to eat with that sister. I don't want to have that brother in my home. After all, he might stay too long. That sister, she might, she might eat more of my food than I like. You know, this is the way we think, right? And we start to get to know. And, oh, wow, she might, she, this, this brother, I, I don't want to, I got to be careful here because I don't want you to, uh, you guys to start thinking. Of, he's talking about me here. He's talking about me. This brother, that sister, man, they got problems. They got issues. I don't know if I can handle it. You see, sometimes the more we get to know somebody, the harder it is to persist in being hospitable towards that person. And the only thing that's going to keep us going is their, our propeller. 
to remember how persistent God has been towards us. That is the fuel that's going to that's going to teach my spirit to love and to love others, because my hospitality is not dependent upon the recipient. My hospitality is dependent upon the one who has given it all to me. And therefore, I give it back to him in return. When I'm serving others, I may be entertaining angels unaware. And they may not always be appreciative, but that's not why we're hospitable. We're not being hospitable to get something in return. We're being hospitable because God has been so hospitable toward us. So we need the spirit of love. And we need our love to be renewed. If we're going to be persist in being hospitable, we need that love for God and that love for others to, com- to, to continue to be renewed. That's why we got to be tapping into the Lord. That's why we got to be in the word. It's not like, hey, you just need to know everything about the Bible. You just need to, you need to be able to, whenever there's a Bible trivia game, you need to know all the answers to the question. That is not why we read the Bible. We are reading the Bible to learn about God because it's through learning about the God of love that we learn how to love. And we find the motivation to do it. We need a spirit of love. Let me just add here, too. Uh, we need a, a, a deeper spirit of community, a deeper spirit of community. Now, I, I think one of the things that's been exposed about so many Christians over the past year since COVID hit is just how individualistic we are in our Christianity. You know what I mean by that? Like we think of Christianity as being something that's between me and God and everybody else, like forget about it. So then I can just kind of jump. If, if this family is not like what I want it to be, man, I could go somewhere else. I, you know, we, we are consumer Christians. And a part of that is because we don't, we don't understand, we don't have a biblical appreciation for the importance of community. Listen to what this text says. In Hebrews chapter 3 and 13 and verse 3, remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and as those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Do you hear what he's saying here? The reason you need to care for the prisoners is because they're a part of the same body that you are in. You are a part of a community here. And one of the things that's hard about hospitality is that... um, it's uncomfortable to be around strangers for us, isn't it? It's hard sometimes to try to take people who are different than us and then bring them in and make them guests and then make them friends and then make them part of our family. It gets hard. And eventually you're like, hey, man, I, you know, we got a pretty good family right here. Let's just, you know, let's just cap it off here and enjoy the, enjoy the ride for a while. Let's just enjoy what we have here. We don't want you to bring bringing in more people that might, you know, mess up our, our vibe, might mess up, you know, the... The, the good relationships that we have here in the family. No, one of the things that we need is a spirit of community. God desires for more people to be brought in. God desires for people to be rescued out of slavery, just as we were rescued out of slavery. God wants us to be freed. And therefore, we are the people of God called to enter into that work. Hospitality is uncomfortable. But having a spirit of community will drive us to keep doing the hard work of bringing people in and loving them and caring for them and welcoming them into God's family. So spirit of love, spirit of community. Let me give you a third one here uh, from the text, a spirit of contentment. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that in three of the five places where saints are called to be hospitable, you see an exhortation very close by that says, don't be a lover of money. You see that in verse five? 
Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. And contentment is a really important part to learning to be hospitable. You can't be a lover of money if you're going to love people. You just can't because people cost, right? People cost. Um, you know, you can have people in your, in your home. Food's getting more expensive by the day. Like if I'm going to have them over and I'm going to feed them and I'm going to give them stuff, like I got to go out and buy stuff. You know, if I'm going to go, maybe I can't have them in my home. So if I'm going to take them out to the restaurant, well, I might have to pay for it. You know, this is, this is scary. You know, what's it going to cost me to be hospitable? Hospi hospitality is costly. It involves sharing. Later on in the text in Hebrews chapter 13, I think it's in verse, uh, well, is it? I lost my, oh, verse 16, the last verse that our brother read for us. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. If you thought about that, sharing is a sacrifice. You know why that is? Because we have a hard time sharing the gifts that God has given us with other people. We want to hold on to it. We think this is for me. God gave it to me. But actually, it is a sacrifice that we are called to make, to share with others what God has shared with us. Hospitality is costly. It involves sharing. It involves sacrificing. Uh, one of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 14, verse 4, says, where there are no oxen, the barn is clean. But from the strength of an ox comes abundant harvest. All right, do you understand? The, it took me a while to get this one. I'm not, I'm not quick like that with Proverbs. It took me a while to get this. So, so get the picture here. Where no oxen are, the barn is clean. If you don't have any cows in the barn, the barn's going to stay clean all the time, right? But if you want to harvest, what do you need in the barn? You need oxen. You got to have, you got to have cows in order for there to be a harvest. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about hospitality. A lot of us, the reason why it's so hard for us to be hospitable is we know it's going to be messy. We know, we know that people are going to leave our house dirty. We know that this is going to get hard. We know that, we know that the life is going to get messy the more I get involved in it, right? And therefore, we're like, hey, I, let me just stand back. Let me, let, me, let me watch out. I don't want to be involved in this. I don't, want to, I don't want to experience the hardships of this. You know what the hard part about that is? The blessing comes from the hard work of being hospitality, of being hospitable. The abundant harvest doesn't happen unless you're willing to deal with the mess. And this is the hard thing. We don't want the mess, but then we end up lonely and isolated and frustrated and feeling unfruitful and useless in the kingdom of God because we're not willing to go through the mess. And God's saying, hey, here it is. Go through the mess. Be willing to endure the mess in order to receive the abundant blessing from God, which is welcoming more and more people into your life and into your family and into his family. Spirit of contentment. We need a spirit of contentment. And that's rooted in also the last one I'll give you, spirit of love, spirit of community, spirit of contentment. And the last one I'll give you, uh, prerequisites for hospitality, is a spirit of trust. Spirit of trust. I think the Hebrew writer is trying to help us with this. When he says, make sure your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, you know, it's risky. This, I, may, I may go broke if I keep serving all these people, if I keep helping all these people. I may lose. I may lose. You know, I could lose a lot of things in life. What's going to help me to keep going, keep serving, keep loving those, those, those who are in need in those moments? Listen to this, the end of verse 5. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. 
so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? What's going to drive me to be hospitable? It's an absolute trust that God is with me, that God is my helper, that God will be with me. Because hospitality can be a risky business. It can be tricky. It can be dangerous. But if the Lord is with me, who is there to fear? What can man do to me? I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. If you trust the promise of God that he will be with you, that he will not desert you, that he will not forsake you, you will then be empowered to be able to live a life of hospitality toward others. Those are some prerequisites, but of course, pre prerequisites are good. Of course, John also says that we shouldn't be loving just in word, but in deed and in action. So how do we practice hospitality? Um, well, I'm going to start with the most basic and simple point, but I think it needs to be made, even though it's very basic and simple. I'm going back to Leviticus chapter 19 and in verse 33 um, for this idea. Leviticus 19 and verse 33. Notice the first thing God said about strangers to his people was, when a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall not do him wrong. All right, so step number one to being hospitable is don't mistreat strangers. Don't do them any wrong. Now you might say, well, that's stupid. Of course, uh, duh. Like, But you know, sometimes... We think, hey, this guy's a stranger. I don't have to love him. I don't have to care for him. I don't have to treat him the way I would treat other people. He's not, maybe, maybe we wouldn't say this out loud, but he's not in the family of God. So I don't have to actually, you know, be kind to him. I don't have to be gracious, merciful, patient, hospitable. Don't mistreat strangers. I'm ashamed of some of the things that I have done to strangers in my past. I'm ashamed of some of the things that I've seen people of God do to strangers. Uh, people telling strangers to go back where they came from. People telling strangers, you know, uh, sorry, we can't help you. We ain't got a place for you. We ain't got time for you. Too many other, other needs. I'm ashamed of things that I've seen done, things that I've been a part of toward strangers. The beginning of hospitality is do not mistreat strangers. Of course, it doesn't end there. I want to say one more thing about this, though, um, just as a word of warning, because maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, all right, well, you know, there's a lot of hospitable people in our church, so I don't need to be hospitable. Um, this, as long as the church is being hospitable, we're good. You know, it doesn't, this, this responsibility doesn't fall on me. Listen to this. This is some really sobering words that God spoke through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 58. And I'm going to read this kind of a lengthy reading. I'm going to read 12 verses here, but I want you to hear this passage. I don't know, unless you've been in the seven o'clock Isaiah class, you may not have read this recently. So I want you to, uh, I want you to hear the words of the prophet. Listen to this. Isaiah 58, I'm going to begin in verse one. Cry loudly. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways. 
as a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of God. They ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Verse 3, this is the Israelites speaking. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? They're talking to God. Behold, listen to God's response. On the day of your fast, you find your desire and drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast like this, which I choose a day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not, this is God speaking, verse six. Is this not the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you remove the, the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you'll be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. And you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Do you see what God is saying in this text? Do you hear what his message is to the Israelites? The Israelites are coming and they're saying, hey, we keep gathering together. We keep coming to worship you. We keep praying. We keep crying out to you. We keep fasting. We're doing all the religious things. We know our Bibles. We go to church. We cry out. We fast. And yet, we're not getting anything out of it. There's no blessing that's coming from it. Why aren't you hearing us, God? Why aren't you answering our prayers? And what is God's response? Why is God not hearing their prayers? Why is God not answering their prayers? Because even as they fast and as they pray, they are mistreating their workers. They are, they are, they are doing things that are unjust. They are hurting people around them. They're ignoring the homeless and the hungry and those who are lacking clothing. And here's what I want us to think about here. All the fasting and all the prayer, and all the Bible studies, and all the worship, and all the religious things that we do in order to seek God are worth nothing if it does not produce in us a heart that is willing to love those who are strange, and those who are foreign to us, and those who are hurting, and those who are in need. And I want to tell you, we need to hear that warning because even us sometimes start to think, hey, 
how much do I really have to do? Should I really help those who are hungry? After all, they need things more than food. What's the point? You feed them today, they're going to be hungry again tomorrow. God says, if you want to be my people, this is the way you love people. You take care of those who are in need. You, you look out for them. You serve them. You treat them as you would treat any other person. Love them. Serve them. Treat them as if you might be entertaining angels themselves. We need to practice hospitality. But how, as a New Yorker, how do we do it? You know, um, some of you are here and you're like, I'm in a small apartment. Uh, how, how do I do this? Well, let me give a few suggestions here. Um, number one, invite your neighbors into your living space. Uh, and by the way, I don't care if it's small. Um, invite your neighbors into your living space. Some of you guys do a great job of that, by the way. And I've been so encouraged by that. You don't have a huge apartment, but what you have, you use it. You invite people into it. Some of you might be saying, well, I'm in a room right now. I don't even have an apartment. Like I'm just in a small room that I'm renting. How do I do it? Well, invite people into your neighborhood, into your restaurants where you eat, into your parks where you hang out, into the places where you live life. Invite people. Welcome them into your life. That's really what hospitality is. Let me give you a second one here. Uh, invite your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends maybe even your enemies, into your spiritual family. What I mean by that is not just invite them to church. Invite them to come to places where they can learn about God and learn to have relationships with people who will love them and care for them and treat them as they ought to be treated, as their own flesh, as the prophet Isaiah said. Invite them to Bible study. Invite them to prayer. Invite them to opportunities where you're gathering together with Christians for fellowship. Invite them in to your spiritual family. All right, here's another one. Uh, and this one goes specifically for strengthening the bonds in the church here. Um, I want to encourage us to do what the early church did, which was eat together in homes, in people's lives all the time. Eat together with Christians informally all the time, especially the ones you don't know. Not just the ones you have, you have the most fun with and the ones you enjoy being around the most. In, eat together with Christians so that you can get to know them. You guys know this. There's a difference between, and many of us have experienced this. Um, there's a big difference between, and I think all of us know this actually. Uh, there's a big difference between the way we act sometimes in a church building like this and the way we might act in our home. Uh, sometimes we're good at putting on some sort of face, some sort of front, that you can't hide when you're actually like in, in, sitting with somebody in your neighborhood, in your home, in your park, living normal life together. This is why the early church devoted themselves to breaking bread together house to house. They spent time together in homes, encouraging one another. And I wanna encourage you, that's one of the things that has made this group into the tight-knit family that it is, let us continue that. Let us continue to eat together with Christians formally all the time, to break bread as we talk about the word and we talk about our God and we talk about the great things that he's done in our lives and the things that we need help with as we seek to grow closer to him and to make it through the challenges of life. Eat together with Christians informally all the time. Uh, number four, uh, well, let me just say one more thing about that. Uh, it doesn't have to be special. Our, this is the problem with the, the industry. You know, we think we, I have to have, you know, a beautiful tablecloth and I have to, have, and some of you guys are so good at that. 
like you do with formal parties. Uh, Lindsay's known for that here. Uh, Sister Laurel's known for a wonderful party. Some of you guys are really good at that. And I'm th I thank God for that. It's really special. Um, but I don't want anybody to get the idea that in order for me to be hospitable, I have to be able to throw really nice parties. Peanut butter and jelly is fine. Like just invite somebody over. Let's sit down and talk. It could just be a cup of tea. It could just be, you know, a cold glass of water or bottled water for some of you. You know, like, hey, we, it doesn't have to be anything, uh, anything great or anything powerful. Uh, eat together with Christians informally all the time. Don't feel like you have to, in, you know, I don't, I, I can't, I can't spend hundreds of dollars on this, so I can't be hospitable. You don't have to. You don't have to. Um, number four, uh, and I think this is helpful, as uh, especially as uh, needs are increasing. There's a need for, uh, for, for hosting small group Bible studies. A lot of the important things that have happened in the early culture of this church and a lot of the important things that happened in the early church uh, in the book of Acts happened in homes. Uh, and, and I want to suggest that one of the ways that we can practice hospitality is hosting small group Bible studies. Again, doesn't have to be in your home. Could be in a, in a restaurant on the block or could be in a park next to you. Could be somewhere close by. But you making a commitment to say, hey, I'm going to welcome people in. I'm going to invite them in and we're going to talk about the word of God. And we're going to talk about the power that God has to work in our lives and help people to come to know him better. You maybe say, well, I can't host one. Well, join one. If you're not a part of one already, join one of those small group Bible studies and be a part of it. And when new people come in, befriend them. Love them. Reach out to them. Welcome them into your life. Welcome them into the family. Welcome the strangers into the group. Uh, all right. Let me give you one more, uh, two more here. Um, uh, ask the leaders in the church for help. Maybe you're like, all right, I don't know what to do. I know there's ways I need to be more hospitable, but I don't know how to do it. Ask the leaders in your church for help. Or even better, find the people who are hospitable. The people you look at and you're like, man, that sister, she is so hospitable. And go learn from them. Go sit with them. Ask them to teach you how to do what they do. Ask them what got you there? What led you? I was thinking about this this week. Um, it's my grandparents, uh, I think it's their 40th anniversary this week. And so uh, my sister was asking us to send memories of, of grandma and grandpa. Like, and the way she said it was, you know, a lot of times we wait until people die to tell them the special things. We remember about them. We want to tell them before they pass. Um, so they're asking for memories. And, and so uh, one of the biggest memories I have of being a little bitty kid is how my grandparents would open up their home to people who had no family and welcome them in like family and love them and treat them as if they were their own child and just care for them. That made a huge impact on me as a little kid. Um, and it made a huge impact on my parents. My parents learned to live like that from them. And, and it's made a big impact on me. Uh, look for people who are hospitable and learn and ask them to teach you. And then lastly, I'm going to give you one more. Uh, find places in New York. There are so many places to volunteer. Find places to volunteer that will put you in contact with people in need. Maybe you're here and you're saying, like, I would love to be hospitable to people in need. I'd love to take care of the poor. I love it, but I don't know them. All right. Well, go out and in New York, there are so many opportunities. Uh, and if you don't know how to do that, do, do reach out. There's people here we can point you to who can get you involved in places where you can volunteer and you can meet people in need. So many people in this city, though it's a crowded, dense place. So many people in the city are lonely, broken, homeless, underprivileged, neglected. Uh, 
you know, refugees. Many of these people are hurting. They're isolated. They're in need. And the Lord has given us opportunities. He's given us resources so that we can share and take care of them. Hopefully that gets you thinking. This is just the beginning of hospitality. For those of you who need a little, you know, uh, starter plug. There's a lot more to hospitality than that, but hopefully that gets you thinking about this. And I just want to say a couple of words before we conclude um, about the purpose. What's the purpose of being so hospitable? Well, really, a big part of the purpose is just to please the Lord. We're hospitable because we want to please the Lord. Um, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 25. I know this story is probably familiar to most of you, but I want to read it again because uh, it impacted me when I read it. Uh, this week in preparation. Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will, will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you. To the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. What's going to move us to be hospitable? It's seeing that every person made in the image of God, every person made with the same flesh that we have, is an opportunity to serve and to please our Lord and our Savior Jesus. When you did it to the least of these, not the greatest, but even to the least of these, you did it for me. Hospitality is not about making friends in high places. Hospitality is not about, you know, get, getting a better reputation, whether in the church or in the world or anything else. Hospitality is about loving Jesus and being pleasing to him. And coming back to Hebrews chapter 13, hospitality is how we prepare to join him in that lasting city. Listen to how uh, this letter ends. One of the last words of exhortation that he gives, verse 13. So let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. For here, we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Remember that when Jesus came down and he suffered that tough and difficult life and endured the cross, despising the shame. Remember right before he left to go back up to heaven, right before he went to the cross, what did he say to the disciples? I'm about to leave you, but I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Here's the beauty. God is inviting us to participate in this divine hospitality. 
This God has a place prepared for us if we'll join him in this work. But he's also inviting us to participate in the work of preparing places for others. We get to be a part of, cre of creating and maintaining the family of God. That is an incredible privilege. A far greater blessing than any other success or achievement or wonder you could accomplish in this world. Is the blessing of knowing that we're joining the Lord in his work of preparing places for people in that great city to come. All right, I just want to give one warning as a conclusion and then an invitation. Um, the warning is this. Uh, we asked those of you who are members to vote on the two different choices about what we were going to do moving forward. One of them was uh, moving up at 10 a.m. and starting here and then ending at 1245. Uh, and the other was that we would continue as meeting as we are, 12, 1030 basically to 1230. And then after that, uh, we would have uh, a Bible study in a home. Um, and almost every person in this church voted for the first one. Um, and almost every person in this church voted for, hey, we're going to meet at 10 to 1245. Um, and you, I'm sure every one of you had really good reasons for choosing that. Uh, I, I trust that. I, I trust all of your judgment. But I do have one concern about the moves we've made and we've done this primarily because of COVID. We've had to do more stuff in this space to give more space, to keep people safe. Um, and here's my one concern about that. And it's not, a, it's not an issue I've ever seen in this church, but I've seen it in lots of other churches. So I want to warn us about it before it ever becomes an issue here. I've seen many churches that outsource the work of hospitality to the church. What I mean by that is this. Um, what can happen is... People start to say, hey, we've got a building for that work. Like, this is where we invite people to. We can invite them to come to church. They'll come to church and, and the hospitality all happens here. And then we kind of go our separate ways and everything's good. Uh, and, and what happens is uh, sometimes what develops in churches is, is what I call a club membership mentality. You know what I mean by that? A club membership mentality. That is like, hey, you know, we've got a place I got to go on a certain day and we got and, and I got to pay my dues while I'm there. And then I got to I got to, you know, do what the members do, which is be there for the gathering. And then I go home and I keep on living my life and doing my thing. You've probably seen this in churches and it's very sad. Um, it's not what God called the church to be. So here's my exhortation and my encouragement to, to us as a group. Don't let the increased amount of time that we spend in this place be an excuse to stop practicing hospitality in your home, in your neighborhood, and in the lives of people around you. Don't outsource the work that God has called you to do as a Christian uh, of being hospitable. House to house fellowship was a pillar in the foundation of the early church, and it's always been a critical component of the growth of God's people. That has certainly been true with this church. Let's continue to make it true here. Um, all right, lastly, an invitation. I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're struggling with the idea of being hospitable, I want to encourage you to test the Lord and see if the reward that comes with hospitality outweighs the cost. I want to encourage you to test the, test the Lord and see if the reward that comes from being hospitable outweighs the cost. Now, in order to do that, you got to be patient. There's no quick results here. There's no like automatic, you know, there's no miracle growth. Uh, when it comes to hospitality. But here's what I want you to think about. In the Bible, 
in every one of the stories that I could think of, of hospitality in scripture, there was some unexpected and shocking blessing that came from a person's decision to be hospitable. Thinking about Abraham and Sarah with the unexpected blessing of a son. Thinking about the Shunammite woman who not only had a son, but then had her son raised from the dead because of the hospitality that she had shown to the prophet Elisha. I'm thinking about Lydia, who by welcoming Paul into her home and supporting him to preach the gospel, ended up having a whole church full uh, of brethren to be a part of, a family to be a part of there in Philippi. And I just want to say this. God's hospitality has stood the test of time. He has proven throughout the past his faithfulness to be hospitable towards his people. He's proven to us that there are no links he would not go to to show us hospitality. His own son was forsaken so that God could say to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this same God has prepared for us a place, a banquet, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. If Jesus is left to prepare a place for us, may he find us working, loving, serving when he comes back to bring us home. Let us pray together. Oh God, our Father, we thank you so much. You have been so gracious and hospitable to us in so many ways that we are so utterly undeserving of. And I pray, dear God, that that same spirit of hospitality you would put in us, that we would learn to love others as you have loved us, to have the same kind of patience towards others that you have demonstrated towards us, to, have, to, to show the same forms and, ma and manifestations of kindness towards others that you have shown towards us. I pray, dear God, that the things that you have shared with us, we would freely share with others. I pray, dear God, that you'll help us to endure uh, the, the cost of taking up our cross daily and following in your footsteps so that more and more people might come to see the beauty of your love, the beauty of your care, the beauty of your kindness towards us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Help us, oh God, to love you, to serve you every day, living hospitably until the day in which Jesus comes to bring us home. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.